I'm Jake Miller from the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect those of others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Steve here, and my podcast, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, is hosted on Podbean. If you use my affiliate link when you sign up for podcast hosting, you will get one month free. I've been on Podbean for the whole existence of my podcast since November of 2013. In that time frame, I've had nonstop service. I've had easy access to assistance when I needed help. I've been able to upload unlimited pictures and podcast episodes. The dashboard is easy to use, and my Podbean community has grown tremendously. Looking at starting a podcast? Well, use my affiliate link to get one month free of hosting. Go to my website at stephenmiletto.com sponsors and click on the Podbean hosting link to see what plans are offered and choose the one that you like the best. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Steve here, and I want to ask you a question. Have you been feeling stressed, overwhelmed, exhausted, maybe stuck? Or how about you're emotionally eating, you can't sleep, you're mindlessly scrolling the internet or watching TV, you have racing thoughts and maybe even a foggy brain? If you're experiencing these, then self-care summer is for you. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to collaborate with Connect Flow Grow to bring you this exciting opportunity. The founder, Lynn Jimenez, is a therapist specializing in helping people reduce stress so they can live happier, more productive lives. This summer, she is bringing together her favorite self-care experts for self-care summer to help you learn how to keep stress low. In addition to starting or freshening up your self-care practices, Lynn will teach you what you need to know about stress, including what it is, how to identify how stress impacts you, and how to use coping skills effectively to actually stress less. So go to my website, stephenmiletto.com sponsors, and click on the Self-Care Summer with ConnectFlow Grow hosting link to join by July 12th through 15th to secure your spot. This event only happens once a year, and you're not going to want to miss it. Check it out. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Lynn Jimenez. And that's right, she's back. You recognize that name because she first appeared on episode 354. Well, then we talked about her business, Connect, Flow, Grow, and working with kids and families with social-emotional support. Well, today we're focused on what stress is, and she's going to give you some suggestions for dealing with it. And we're also going to talk about how her company, Connect, Flow, Grow, might be of help. Lots to learn today. Thanks for listening. And, oh, by the way, don't forget, it would be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmiletto.com slash review and rated and reviewed the podcast. Could you do that for me, please? Because that's how in podcast land, podcasts get discovered. <laughs> Thanks so much. Enjoy. Hey, do you need help in becoming more effective at teaching virtual classes? Well, NVTA, the National Virtual Teaching Association, has a semester program that is college accredited and designed to help you become more successful as a virtual teacher. A few of the topics that we'll be focused on are establishing relationships in the virtual environment, virtual instruction best practices, differentiation in the virtual classroom, and managing virtual resources, among others. NVTA is an affiliate partner with Teaching Learning Leading K-12, and there's so much there to help you be successful in the virtual classroom. Uh, so take a look. Go to my website, stephenmiletto.com, sponsors, find the NVTA logo, and click on it to take you to their website. Happy learning. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And 
Now here's Steve with this week's show. There we go. Excellent. And it's Jimenez. 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 Mm-hmm. Lynn Jimenez is back. You might remember her from episode 354, where we talked about her business Connect, Flow, Grow, and working with kids and families with social-emotional support. Today, we're talking about stress and, more specifically, helping educators deal with it. Lynn Jimenez is a licensed clinical social worker who has over 10 years' experience as an educator in California. Her school-based experience includes working with students in foster care and on probation, supporting school districts in developing trauma-informed practices, creating innovative programs to drive state policy change, implementing restorative practices, and developing school-based substance abuse and mental health programs. As a therapist, Lynn's niche is stress response system activation, which includes daily stress, anxiety, depression, and trauma responses. Her favorite tools to help neutralize the stress response system are number one, nurturing relationships, and number two, mindfulness. Lynn founded Connect, Flow, Grow to address the growing need for students to have more social-emotional support, helping schools partner with parents to develop these skills in the home so students come to school ready, willing, and able to learn. Today, we'll be talking about stress. That's right, stress, what it is and how to manage it. Lynn's expertise is the is the stress response system and helping people understand what stress is so they can effectively reduce and live more enjoyable lives. This is critical for educators who are caregivers or are already vulnerable to burnout, which is only heightened as we continue to grapple with a global pandemic. Lynn, welcome back and thanks for joining me today and say hi to everyone. Hi everyone. I'm so excited to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you here and uh, let's start by uh, you reminding everyone about your business, Connect, Flow, Grow. What do you do and who do you seek to help? So it's funny, as you're reading the prof- the bio, I was like, hmm, maybe I should update this. So my niche is stress response system activation. And when I started um, my business, I was really into understanding stress. Um, I historically have worked with students with um, trauma or trauma responses, um, trauma histories. And then um, when I was at a comprehensive school district, I just noticed that we had tons of kids with anxiety. And so I needed to understand it a little bit better which kind of led me down the path of the stress response system and polyvagal theory. Um, without getting into like the nitty gritty details of it, it basically just con- it uh, describes how anxiety and depression are, are on a continuum of responses and how they move us away from social engagement as we have heightened amounts of stress. Um, so my business really helps people understand stress, the stress response system and learn how to manage stress because stress is not going away. It is a part of our life. Sometimes we put a little bit more uh, stress on ourselves than we need to, but it's for sure a part of our lives. And so we just learn, we have to learn the tools to manage it more and more. I'm just feeling so um, affirmed for what I'm doing because every time I launch like a new product or reach a new audience, people just keep sharing with me the same thing. And that is, I wish I would have known these things when I was younger. Very cool. Very cool. I, you know, and, and part of what I'm getting ready to ask you was in that last answer, but I kind of want to pull it out of there. I mean, why do you think that there's a need for what you do? Yeah. So um, we, I mean, stress, so I'll kind of jump into like, what is stress and, um, and then that'll describe why there's a need for what I do. So stress is just a response to stressors, right? And stressors can come from our external world. So it can come from our senses. It could be, um, the tasks that we have, um, you know, the things on our plate, it can also come internally. So it can be our emotional state, it could be um, illness, injury, 
And so we, at any given moment, are have all of this information coming into our body. Our stress response system is what process up, processes that for us. Stress is how we respond to it. So if, we, um, if the stressors are low or we have the tools available to us to manage them, even if it's like physical pain, right? Like maybe you can ice, you know how to do some stretching or something to relieve some of the sensation. Or if it's stuff from our external world, since we're talking to educators, um, you know, staff meetings, parent conferences, uh, planning, grading, all of the stuff that we have to do in or out of a global pandemic, responding to student need, addressing behavior, right? Like teaching, um, all of that is a stressor because it's all a, just a demand that is placed upon us. Some of us take a little bit more on than others, right? Like there's just varying degrees of what that demand looks like. Um, and so there's going to be varying degrees of how stressful that experience is. That coupled with our own, you know, what's going on in our personal lives, our own sense of resilience and how that's been developed. We don't just learn how to develop stress overnight. We've, many of us have figured it out, but it is something that we have to build the capacity for. So if you've had a lot of stress in your life, you're probably really good at dealing with it. And that's a good and a bad thing. Um, but more and more, we're just seeing that we are just taking on so much and we are a culture of very busy people, a culture of people who kind of promote and thrive just ambition and getting ahead and to our own detriment. We constantly have information coming in at us. We don't have a lot of downtime. And so all of that is why my services are needed. Gotcha. That's good stuff. And we're going to get into some more specifics here in just a second. And, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, our world is some of it we put on ourselves and mm -hmm. some of it we have no control of whatsoever. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I think, you know, some of us then try to control the uncontrollable, which probably creates its own <laughs> versions of everything. And uh, so lots to learn here. So, so let's talk about this. Why or how does stress become debilitating or at least derailing? Yeah. So, I mean, so it's, it's twofold. Sometimes it's the amount, the quantity and the quality of the stress, right? Like it can either be a very intense stressor. If you think of like, mm, um, like families I used to work with chronic homelessness, that is a very challenging chronic stressor, no end in sight. Um, if that is not like kind of on your radar, maybe it's something like an unexpected job loss, unexpected death of a, a a loved one, maybe like you lose a spouse, right? And now there's like income, there's a challenge or some newness to your income. And then there's also the grief of losing a partner. So when we look at like the intensity or the duration um, of the stressor, that is something that we have to consider. The other thing to consider is what is your ability to deal with stress? How have you learned to deal with stress? Um, have you had enough challenges throughout your life to learn how to manage high stress. One, right? Like that's a capacity that we learn as children when we have frustrating situations, we learn how to manage stress. But then have you, do you actually, are you able to bring yourself back to a place of calm? Because having a lot of stress and learning to manage it, but always having been in that chronic stress state is not a good thing. Like we need to experience stress in order for our stress response system to learn how to be calibrated, but we also need to learn how to neutralize the stress response system, how to move back to a relaxed, calm state. And so if you are constantly in that heightened state, that's when things become challenging and you get into that 
um, derailing or an impairment in functioning. It's because you have, you are in a chronic state of stress. You're not moving yourself in and out of those states. Gotcha. The, you know, one of the things that I think is uh, interesting, if, you know, this whole last year is kind of like one of those that you want to do over on, um, <laughs> you know, no matter what world you're in, whether, you know, my world of education or uh, whatever the business world, whatever, you know, you, you just wish that it's, you know, could I just kind of, let me pinch myself. I don't think it really happened. Aha. Hey, we're good. <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, it, when you think about educators' lives. Let's talk about what creates stress in educators' lives. I mean, let's start by talking about prior to pandemic. And you mentioned a few earlier that I want to get back to, and it's, which is kind of cool. And, uh, and then let's follow up and let's talk about this past year and dealing with the pandemic. So what, you know, when you were in a school and stuff, what, what are some of those stressors that uh, exist there for educators before we had the virus? Yeah, before the virus, I mean, it was all of the demands placed on educators these days, right? Like, is it's common knowledge amongst ed educators, at least, that we take on so many roles. And I'm speaking we, I'm not an educator anymore, but I, I think forever in my heart, I will always be an educator. Um, it, there was just so many roles and so many de demands placed on the education system. Nurses, counselors, teachers, parents. I mean, all of those roles, Like there were so many things that that the education system was responsible for, for children in order to just get them to a place to where they could learn or to be in a place to learn. And then on top of that, we had to teach them, right? For varying levels, um, which is great. Like teachers do a great job figuring all that out, but that's just a lot to manage in the course of a day when teachers don't have, aren't necessarily trained to do all of that. They're not trained on the nutritional needs of students and they're not trained on like, the, my understanding is the behavior um, training is pretty minimal and like mental health needs. and. And so there's a lot of demands placed on teachers from a more macro sense. But then you look at the like the day to day structure. I am constantly baffled. One of the things one of the reasons why I would never be able to be a teacher is like being stuck in a classroom. I would die not being able to like use the restaurant like on demand or like have a snack when I need it. And like those things seem so challenging to me. Yeah, you know, um, I got to. I'm sorry to interrupt. It's, when I was <laughs> when I was a student teacher, um, it was funny because where I did my student teaching and all this stuff, uh, the uh, that school system had a strike that happened, and part of the the reason there was a they were trying to negotiate their contract, and there was a big problem. And one of the problems that I it never dawned on me because I was all focused on becoming a high school teacher. I never thought about this once or, uh, at all until I heard this. But what they were focused on was that they didn't have these were element. Um, one of the issues there were many issues, but one of them was elementary school teachers wanting a bathroom break. Yeah, <laughs> that would be I mean, a it's a simple request. Yes. It's such a, when, when I used to work at a school, uh, when I was at one of the school districts and I was doing this, um, it was kind of an alter, alternative to suspension program for students that had um, substance abuse infractions. Um, and so I would sit with them like in a classroom for like four hours a day. But that four hours, I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know how to plan my my life around this. I drink gallons of water and like tea. I, I just drink so many liquids. I was constantly having to call people and ask them for bathroom breaks. And it was, it was humiliating. Cause I'm like, I'm a grown woman. I can't even take a bathroom break when I need one. Yeah, that's rough. That's, that's very totally rough. rough. I mean, that is such a stressor, right? Like the anxiety yes. and just like the planning around that back to like other things that teachers have. I mean, managing parents, 
um, you know, working with their teachers, the planning, the care, like, gosh, I look at teachers' classrooms and the care and the, like, the preparation and the love that goes into lesson design and just uh, getting students engaged. And that is a whole bunch of extra effort that is not accounted for in a day. And like, that is after hours time, that's weekend time. That's just, you know, it's almost like a job that never stops. And, and like the love that teachers have for students and like taking home those concerns, like that, that, those are some of the things that we don't take into account in the day-to-day, um, the tasks. It's, it's, it's making me think of this, um, an article that I read about like the, what is it? It's something about the weight of, they call it motherhood, but it's really just caregiving in general and how there's just so much in the background that happens that even though, you know, like you're teaching or a mom is making dinner, a parent is making dinner, right? There's just so much worry and concern and preparation that goes into all of those, the execution of all of those things. Um, yeah. No, that's good. That's, I mean, because, you know, one of the things that I was, uh, something that's a stressor that uh, a lot of times people don't think anything about it. and it works this way for administrators and teachers and that's you know the first time you have to have and not only the first time it sometimes it's always <laughs> but you have to have something that you mentioned which is uh, a, a parent conference <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you've never had one or if you know that it's it's probably not going to be great because you know you've been going back and forth on email when you should have called them to meet in the first place and and now mm-hmm. suddenly whatever what's this going to be like and you know it's uh that in itself oh my gosh that's <laughs> totally you don't know it's a wild card right like you don't know what how the parents going to respond you don't know if they're going to be on your team against you uh yeah it's that's a big one. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I had a, I had a parent tell me one time when I was an assistant principal and uh, one of the things I did was discipline and uh, we had an open house and parents were walking around and the principal had us walking around and talking with people and that sort of thing, you know, reach your hand out there, shake hands, talk to them, say who you are and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to do that. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I, and what happened was the first one I talked to was somebody, I, re- I found somebody I didn't know. I reached out and said, hey, I'm Steve Maletto. I'm an assistant principal. And he goes, Steve Maletto. He goes, uh, I don't know you. He goes, what do you do? And I said, uh, well, mainly I do ninth and 11th grade. And he finished my sentence, discipline, right? And I, I said, yeah. He goes, I don't want to know you. <laughs> and he, 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 he took off and he's being funny. But as he left, as he, he goes, I don't want to know if you know my kid or not. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was. Well, I don't feel good now. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want to be the guy that doesn't want to be known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry about that. But yeah, there are lots of things. So, you know, so since the pandemic happened, then we add on a bunch of other things. Because I, I, you know, one of the things that I heard you saying is that a lot of times, especially the, you know, the the tops of our our group are the ones they care too much. Probably they they care so much that everything they want everything to work out right, and that's something that. Uh, Often doesn't because you know you kind of we're in both sides of those worlds de- dealing with uh, from education to the kids who are have all the other issues going on. So yeah, and it's hard. I mean, it's it, how do you turn that off? Like it's what makes you amazing and excel at the job and like to be this compassionate person, but also recognizing what is my role and where are the limitations and what can I do and what can I do and being feeling really confident about that. I mean, as a therapist, I struggled with that initially. Like I used to think like I have to fix everybody's problems or I have to have the answers. There was never more freedom in my life professionally and personally than when I realized like, nope, I'm a guide on a journey. I offer them some tools, but I, 
absolutely am not responsible for fixing anybody. And ever since then, I've been much happier professionally. <laughs> but that's a hard place to come. It's, it's really hard, especially when your job is being with students and families for what, six and a half hours a day. I mean, I'm in and out. There's, it's a little bit easier to kind of set that boundary. Um, so that's a tough place to be. And it's not like, it's weird because it's not like teachers live in their classrooms and don't have lives outside of schools either. (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes. (laughs) I mean, it probably feels like they live in their classrooms and don't have a life. And that's actually the way the kids see us too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I remember in high school when I heard that the teachers had a party after like homecoming. I was like, what? These teachers party? (laughs) (laughs) Then I worked in education. I was like, teachers have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny what you're saying right there. Cause one of the funniest things I, um, one of the many jobs that I had as an educator was a year at one point I was a yearbook sponsor Uh and, uh, I was getting the kids together and we had to have a weekend, uh, work detail type thing to get stuff done. Like, Anybody who's listening who knows about yearbooks, yeah, you're you're always yep, seeming <laughs> nice. You're you always seem to be behind, and uh, so we're bringing them together, and uh, we, we're we're going to meet there at the school, and uh, bringing them lunch and all kinds of stuff that we're going to work on, and uh, um, and I wore shorts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Saturday. It's during the summer, and we got to get these things done, and and the kids are like, like. They were freaked out because I was wearing shorts. You wear shorts? <laughs> it's like, what do, we, what do you think? So that was that was something they never let me down about is the shorts. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, where's your tie and your slacks? <laughs> exactly. So well, the funny thing is, I also coached goalies with soccer, and he saw me in shorts then. But it was just like the, I don't know, it was like putting the two worlds together. So, uh, yeah, they just couldn't. Their brains could not wrap around uh, yeah. wrap around that information. <laughs> it's like what. Yeah, TMI, I think. It's, yeah. it's just shorts, guys. What do we do? <laughs> um, funny, yeah, they, they, there's this whole world that they don't believe you have a life. And some of us feel that way. And and if you couple that in with the pandemic stuff that's happened this last year, I'm sure there's pretty um, many of our colleagues that uh, felt the same way, especially not being able to control things, you know. Yep. And it just being so uncertain, right? Like, there's a, that. that's a part about that chronic stress that is, or toxic stress, toxic stress that is really challenging to people is when there's no end in sight. It's easier and we can kind of create some context for ourselves or know like how to, um, how to utilize our energy sources or like energy, right? If we know, okay, I need to, I can, if this is going to be a four week project or a two month project, this is how I'm going to kind of balance my time and how I'm going to um, expend my energy. But if it's endless, then how do you know, like, do I sprint? Do I walk? Do I jog? Like, you don't really know what speed you need to be traveling at. Everything is priority right now. Kids are, you know, we we recognize the fact that kids are falling through the cracks left and right. And how do you do that over a long period of time? That's It's almost an impossible goal. Well, it really is. And then when you think about trying to catch up the kids who – for whatever reason, decided that we are not doing real school, so I'm not coming back. And their parents didn't force them to come back to school. I mean, there's kids like that in many communities. And yeah. and and the funny thing is, they're not the ones who were like, you know, acing their classes before. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not quite sure why those parents bought into that argument. But hey, and they're, I mean, the stress of trying to think about trying to get kids to, you know, get caught up, you know, 
how do you, how do, you do that? You know, and, and so then the, that pressure's there, obviously. That's where I'm going with that. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, I would say just disconnect from that pressure. Recognize, like, this is what I can do. I'm a great teacher. I'm providing these students with high-quality instruction, and that's all I can do. Like, I, what, what is the saying? You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Right, right, very much so. Uh, so let's talk about this. I mean, why do you think educators are prone to struggle with stressors that create burnout? I mean, we hear this mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. So burnout really is about, um, I was doing some research on this. Burnout is really about not having the resources and the support is kind of what um, uh, is one of the classifying um criteria for burnout so it's like that's part of it like schools if schools are underfunded under resourced if when you know like a lot of schools people wear 17 different hats and so when we're doing so many things it's challenging to do them all well um and rightfully so but then the other part is um it's usually there's like usually a sense of compassion fatigue and just just chronically feeling seeing people struggle and suffer and having to bear witness to that and then feeling like you can't do anything about it that's really hard and um creating systems of support creating opportunities for teachers to have these conversations um i was a restorative practice trainer and when we would i would go out to our school sites and teach or train on restorative practices, we would always encourage administrators to do this with your staff. This is a great way to engage staff and create community and create um, a healthy nurturing culture in your school. And rather than just doing this in the classroom, it should be a school-wide or district-wide approach because the more that we can have conversations and support each other and normalize the stress and maybe bring each other down from the competition and the challenge, like, right. It's almost like, I think sometimes if we're not having conversations with each other and talking about the stress of setting up your classroom so beautifully, I, I'm not a teacher, but that would stress me out. Like I would not be great at that. So I would be really stressed out by seeing all these beautiful classrooms and mine, in my opinion, looking subpar. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with this as an example, but it's almost like the Instagram um, phenomenon, right? Like, oh, I understand. Curated event, curated um, perspective of somebody's life. And you think like, man, I'm not stacked. I, I can't compare to them. I would imagine like on a school campus that some of that occurs too, right? Like you just walk around and you're like, oh, this person has it together. Look at their classroom. Look at this instruction <laughs> that they just delivered. And you see all of their wins, but you're not seeing like what, at what cost or like, you know, what are some of their struggles? The more that we bring humanity into that and that we just connect around our wins, but also the areas of struggle, I feel like we can overcome some of that. Yeah, that, uh, it, you know, it's interesting because I think, you know, there are so many things and it's funny what you mentioned there because that there always is that feeling too. You know, you feel like, because the kids are pr- pressure on you, because kids will say, They'll th- a lot of times, depending on what age bracket you're working on, because sometimes they get a little bit older. Some of them, <laughs> they put some filters on there, especially <laughs> if they like you. But, you know, the, the younger ones really tell you, you know, you know, Miss Johnson's room looks so much nicer than yours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's wrong with you? You know, my my favorite one went like this. I had a I was uh, I had a kid tell me one day he said we were outside. It was after school, had long been out and, and he was riding through the campus on his bike and he saw me he came up and said hi and and uh, he 
he said, is it, and I was walking to my car and he said, is that your car? And I said, yes. <laughs> and, oh, and my car had at that time had had like 250,000 miles on it and was, uh, we're talking about 20, <laughs> it was about 15 years old, I think. And, uh, um, was missing a couple of hubcaps <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, he says to me, he goes, uh, I thought principals were supposed to drive fancy, expensive cars, <laughs> you know, hurtful. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> mine's a Toyota Corolla that was, you know, you know, way older than what it's, it, it well shouldn't loved. be. <laughs> oh yeah. And, uh, and it was funny because, and I said, well, I said, I hope this makes sense, but I own this. <laughs> <laughs> I said, there's no payments. He goes, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> but I thought a principal's driver was driving expensive cars. And I was like, yeah, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Oh, gosh. I love kids. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just I'll never forget that. Just because it was cool that he was coming up to say hi to me. And I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, good. Is this your car? I'm like, gosh, you know, that was going to be trouble. <laughs> no, no, this is actually mine's the one next to it. <laughs> right. Well, it could have said that. There was nobody. There's nobody else around. I'm like, yeah, not good. <laughs> Run away. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so those things, just like the classroom, because kids will tell you, <laughs> just like your colleagues, you know, it's, and, and, and you're right, this Instagram world has made, put pressures on people that didn't even exist before, really, because. Yeah, you're you not know. even competing with the people on your campus anymore. You're competing with people that you don't even know exist. No, exactly. It's just, and they, all you see is like one corner of their classroom. Maybe the rest of it looks terrible. Probably not. What? Well, I've, a lot of time and heartache. Yeah, I've seen some of those on there and I'm like, ah, in the world. Um, but uh, I, you know, I, did, I did know colleagues who they spent a lot of time making it just right. And the amount of time I spent was a lot less than what they were spending. So I do know that feeling. Yes. Just another pressure there, which is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about this. How can, how can we learn to deal with or manage stress? I mean, what is it that we need to learn to do? Yeah. So the way that I teach it is one, I teach from a physiological standpoint. I want you to understand what the stress response system is. To me, that's really helpful information. It helps me um, step away from any sort of personalization. And what I mean by that is when I understand biologically what's happening in my body or physiologically what's happening in my body, it makes me feel less, um, or it makes me feel more in control of what's happening. What I see often with clients or, you know, people who are struggling with stress is they're like, I, I'm just stuck. Why can't I do this? And they really start shaming and blaming themselves, not understanding that they just weren't taught about stress and how the body uh, how the body interprets stressors or responds to stressors and then they don't understand like neurobiology enough to know how do I change my uh, response to stress so that's kind of the first part that I teach and then people have to take a really like good look at what their stressors are um, I think we like to deceive ourselves a little bit Steve and <laughs> no <laughs> we tend to discount the amount of stressors in our life. Um, so the first thing that I do, and like anybody listening, you can do this, get a piece of paper out and just write everything down. That's a stressor. If you have, uh, any sort of demands on you. So if it's like taking kids to soccer practice, Tuesday and Thursday nights, making dinner, washing the dishes, walking your dog, right. You put it all down, no matter how small. And it is surprising and shocking how many things you actually have on your plate. Um, and that you're just probably carrying around in your head and you're doing automatically. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just, I will always question, should you be doing all of that stuff? Because <laughs> what we know about the brain is it needs to rest. It needs time to rest. It needs time to integrate information, to 
have, you know, some restorative activity. And what we also know about the brain is when we give it time to rest and slow down is when we get really cool, um, like answers to problems and we get really creative. And when we're constantly in go, go, go mode, that part of our brain is just not what is, you know, online the most. It kind of, it starts shutting down that, that frontal cortex. And so our executive functioning goes out the window and we are just in some version of fight or flight. Um, and then we wonder why, like, you know, we're always so stressed and it's because we get stuck in that pattern and we have to make some very, sometimes some very um, hard decisions about what we're willing to do. Be, like when I had at the height of my, I wouldn't say the height of my anxiety, but when I realized that I was tired of being stressed out um, and just tired of being anxious, I had to make some really tough decisions. I had to say no to a lot of things. I had to cancel on friends all the time because every day was, am I feeling stressed out? Can I take anything more on? Nope. Okay. Now I have to pull back. And until I learned how to calibrate my own like internal sense of stress and like trust myself again, I couldn't take on anything else. And that was at the like risk of disappointing people, um, not getting stuff done for my business, not, you know, maybe not doing the like level of work that I wanted to do because I'm very ambitious and like, I'm very much an educator and achiever personality. So it's like, do it a plus plus status. Um, and so I had to, like, I had somebody tell me, they're like, your, your B work is still somebody's like best job or your C level work is still somebody's best job. So you need to give yourself a little more credit and recognize like you're putting in a whole bunch of extra work that might be unnecessary. I used to write, so for, for context, I used to write these assessment reports, mental health assessment reports, and they were like 40 pages long. Ooh. They would take me, yeah. I mean, it was very in-depth and comprehensive, and I was like, this is not a sustainable activity. So I had to figure out how to get it down to like 13. <laughs> yeah, and that's one for one person? For one student. For yeah, one student yeah, yeah. I had basically had their whole life on paper. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, <laughs> That's, it was it wasn't not manageable, right? And so, like, no. I'm sure, like, everybody listening to this can think of, like, oh yeah, there's that thing that I do. It's great, high quality product, but at 13 pages, I still got, I still understood what the students' needs were, and I was able to articulate it. I just had to uh, let, give give myself a little like leeway in kind of figuring that out. You know, it's it, it's interesting what you're talking about because I think sometimes what we do is we don't we don't give ourselves permission to remind. I, I I guess what I'm really trying to say is this: we don't give ourselves the time to to say I can do something that's for me, or I can do something that I like a lot that's going to help me regenerate the energy, recharge my batteries, whatever you want to call it, and whatever that is, like you know, playing with my kids or you know, uh, going to, to scouts or going to soccer or basketball or any number of uh, other events that they had. And, uh, you know, just being able to veg out because I'm talking with some of the other parents on the sideline or, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite things was to play, actually have pickup games with kids. And uh, that always was, was a good thing or playing the band or something like that. And, you know, it's just sometimes you just need that to kind of get you to to, to just come down from whatever planet you are on. Um, totally. Yeah. It's like when right on, like when you're on an airplane they're like, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put on anybody yes. else. Yes. You have to take care of yourself, take care of your own stress. You, you are going to be better serving your students, yourself, your family, everybody else in your life when you take care of yourself. So if you can work some play and some fun into your 
workday, there is no reason why you shouldn't. I would hope that your team and your administrators do not feel like work should be like something that you have to endure and like struggle through and uh, be tormented by. <laughs> Hopefully they would recognize like, man, there is, this is, this is a leader on our campus. This is somebody that we should all try to be like and emulate because they are taking care of themselves and still doing it in a responsible way. Yeah. Which is a good thing. Cause that's, cause you're right. Then, cause a lot of times it's not, that, that's what happens is that something else takes over where it's not done in the right way. And so eventually something gives. I mean, someone's going to be yeah. either somebody's going to be mad at you or you're you're making other people mad or you're everything that anybody else does is making you mad. And so yeah. you're responding with yet, 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 you know, kind of nitpicking at this, that and the other. And you don't realize it until someone calls you out on it and says, you know, why are you so snippy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, my kids would I mean, my kids were my best my best uh, gauge, they would say like, why are you being a mean mommy? And I was like, I don't know. Let me take a look at that. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. You gotta love that. That's, that's, yeah. uh, I, in one school I was in, I had a, a veteran teacher who took a chance with me one time and she came out to see me and she said, she said, can I see you for a second? And, and just a side note at that time, she'd been teaching for, for 39 years. Uh, I mean, she's now on year 50. She's still at that school. And wow. um, I know, <laughs> and she's awesome. She's an incredible teacher. And what, what was funny though, is she came to me and she said, can I see you for a minute? And I said, sure. She goes, you know that memo that you said earlier? She goes, can we talk about it just a second? And I said, I said, okay. <laughs> and she said, uh, you know, and she told me a few things that uh, people were interpreting in the wrong way that they heard it in a funny way. And um, and it was just funny. I thought it was cool that she, uh, and that's, that's pretty much, yeah, I should have had somebody read it before I sent it out, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> so, Lessons um, learned. Oh yeah, very much so. But it, it gave me a chance to create my evil twin brother called Guido. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just sent out an email saying, Oh, I'm sorry. I, you guys seem to have met my evil twin brother, Guido. He got into my computer and sent out this, this letter to you. I'm going to send out the correct one coming out a little bit later. <laughs> And that was fun. I've, I got a lot of mileage out of Guido. Nice. Nice. Putting that one in my back pocket. Yeah. It's a, just come up with an alter ego that uh, really isn't you. It's, it was my twin sister, you know? It's, yeah. She's, she's out here. Just wreaking havoc. Exactly. That's, hmm. You know, now the great thing is though, is when somebody comes up to you and says, you have a brother. Yes. <laughs> That'll bring you back down to earth too. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me what happens when you don't address the stress issues? I mean, for some people it leads to chronic health issues. There's, uh, there's plenty of um, studies. One of my favorite books, it's the deepest well. Um, and it talks all about how stress and chronic stress and toxic stress can lead to um, alteration in our gen genetic expression, shorter life expectancy, um, chronic health conditions like diabetes, heart condition, autoimmune disorders. We don't stress, even though we consider it to be kind of this emotional response, it still has an impact on the rest of the system, right? Like if our, when I'm experiencing stress, my heart starts, uh, my heartbeat, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? My heart starts racing. And so of course that's going to have an impact on the rest of my body. It's not just going, my heart's just not racing on its own. And like the blood flowing through my body isn't going to be, um, impacted by that. So we have to really consider our whole being, our whole organism as a system and recognize like, yeah, just my feelings are going to have an impact on other parts of me um, in so many different ways. And for everybody that's different, 
But the way that I look at it is like, are you living the quality of life that you want? Because we, again, one of my mentors said, life is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. And that is one of my like mantras that I stand by every time that I feel like I'm just trudging through life or I'm working really hard, um, which is my tendency. Like I can be such a workhorse on the weekends. I'll pull out my laptop and just start creating projects for myself to do. Um, and then I realized like, I'm not enjoying my life and I need to enjoy my life. That is why I am here. I have three beautiful children that are so fun to be around. My job is not to just like work, work, work. That is not the message I want to send to them. And that is not the life that I want to live. So that I think is for me, that is my priority. I want people to enjoy life, but I also want you to be healthy and live a long life. So there's that too. That's awesome. You know, just a side note. I'll never forget when, when my, one of my sons said to me, dad, I liked it better when you're a teacher. <laughs> it was a comment on time. <laughs> it, that really hit home. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, Lynn, it, let's talk a little bit about what you do to help people in dealing with their stress, okay? So what help can listeners expect from you in addressing their stress if they were to work with you? Yeah, so I have a couple different products. Um, right now we have a 21-day challenge for adults. Um, it's a self-paced course unless you jump on it during one of my launch periods where I add in the group coaching, but it's really designed to teach you about the stress response system. Again, so you have that physiological understanding of what is happening in your body, a little bit about neurobiology and how to change behavior. Then we walk you through like, what does your stress look like? One of the things that people outside of not accounting for all their stressors is Nobody really, at least in my generation, probably not your generation, or I don't know, from the same generation, Steve, I don't want to make any assumptions, but <laughs> you know, like I, even my, my assistant who's in her twenties, she's like, I was never taught these things. Kids now are getting SEL skills, but even then, you know, like what we're giving them varies from school to school. The basic of what I teach or the foundation of what I teach as a therapist is how do you identify your emotions? So really I bring in a lot of mindfulness to develop self-awareness. What are you feeling right now? How do you know you're feeling that way? How does that impact your behavior? What does it do to your body? What sort of thoughts do you have associated with that? And then from there, I teach them to scale the intensity of their emotions. Like, cause that like my, my stress at a zero and a one at a two looks way different than a seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, and then understanding like, what do I need to do to bring myself back down? That is like in the smallest nutshell, that is what I teach people. It seems super easy and very common sense, but for most of us, it's complex because we have these very rich lives. Um, my background has trauma and adversity in it. Many other people do. And so when we have those sort of things and that just heightens the level of stress that we're experiencing, um, so that's kind of where I start. I do work one-on-one -on -one with people. I'm a licensed therapist. Um, I can only see people within the state for therapy, but I'm also certified as an EFT coach. Um, so tapping in that is a really good way of uh, reducing stress on a one-to-one -one basis. Gotcha. Um, what, and one of the exciting things that I wanted to share is we're actually creating a young adult stress challenge, stressless challenge. So nice. it'll be for ages 14 to 24. Um, to teach them about, give them the skills of how to um, identify emotions, how to manage stress. So that way, hopefully they will be better off than most of us. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's awesome. We got, uh, uh, and Lynn, as we're getting ready to close, if someone wanted to learn more, where would you send them? 
Uh, my website's probably the best place, www.connectflowgrow.com. Um, besides that, I'm probably most active on Instagram. Excellent. Uh, I'll have that information in the show notes so they can find it. And I got a last question for you, and it goes like this. If you had the chance to talk with an auditorium of teachers getting ready to begin the new school year this fall, so the, the 21-22 school year getting ready to, to start, um, like I said, everybody kind of hoping it's a do-over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what is something that you would want them to remember from what you told them? Mm. I would want them to first take a nice, deep belly breath And then I would want them to remember that whatever they are doing is probably going to be enough, that there's no need to make up for last year. And there's no need to have this intensity or this anxiety about the future. Like take it day by day, do your best every day. And that's all you can do. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Lana, it was great talking with you again. Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts with us about how to address stress. Uh, we all could use some help in this area. Uh, I can tell you that. I know I can speak for myself. And, you know, wishing the best in your work at Connect, Flow, Grow and wishing the best in all you do. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for everybody. Thank you to everybody for listening. Boone Titanium Rings, found on the web at boonrings.com, is an affiliate partner of Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code, capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring and I know that you will love yours. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.